Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. We took it all. We brought them to our land. An endless night. Ember hot and icy cold. The rage of the earth. We made this curse. Carved it in the blood on our backs. We did not see. We could not, but she did. And in the end... What will I become? Senwa Saga. Hellblade 2. Play it now with Game Pass. Fight week upon us, morning combat, UFC 254. It's the lightweight summit. So you know your boy C, the Brian Campbell. Gotta go to the experts for your UFC 254 expert picks. Let me bring him in right now in this MK Extra. Little bonus action here. South Florida's finest. You know him. Always sweet, never sour. The tower of ayahuasca power, former UFC light heavyweight champion and Hall of Famer Sugar Rashad Evans, my mainest broham. How is it down there in South Florida these days, man? My oh, man, it's, it's it's steady out here, man. It's been going pretty good. Just enjoying life. And uh, I miss you, man. I miss you. Good to be part of the, the morning combat crew, man. Good to be back. We are part of this MK Extended Universe. We used to we used to dance around a couple times a week on the CBS Sports State of Combat, but everything's evolving here. Great to still have you in the family, of course, Rashad. Can I get a pulse check here on a 1 to 10 of excitement in a 2020 where you got to give Uncle Dana credit? You know, it's all it's all killer, no filler as far as UFC main events this year. But when when I say words like Habib Nurmagomedov versus Justin Gaethje for the full title at 155, what is your body telling you? My body's telling me a lot of things, BC. I'm overly excited. But listen, I'm not going to let myself get too excited because we still have to step into the octagon. There's still a few tests that we need to pass. And you can't get too excited because if anything this pandemic has taught us is that never get too comfortable with anything. So I'm going to hold back the, the full excitement. But I'm, I'm kind of raging underneath. I'm kind of raging. If anything of the uh, Habib versus Tony Ferguson uh, soap opera has told us is uh, <laughs> don't don't expect a main event fight until it actually happens. That's why we have that expensive insurance policy called Michael Chandler, who will be in the building on Saturday just in case. Uh, thank you for, for tuning in, of course, to this. Please like the video. Subscribe to Morning Combat. It's blowing up. It cannot be. It's so big, Rashad. And so explosive, this this movement, this show, it can't be confined to, to the ba- banana hammock of normal podcasts. We had to take this thing to YouTube and just let it, you know, right? Just go, just let it get out there. So uh, thank you, folks, for joining. But this is Expert Picks. We want to get underneath the betting odds, the storylines, find out who's going to win and why. And like I mentioned, no better guy to pick the brain of than a man who's still out there training, right? Over 40, still out there with the abs, working and training. Because you never know, Rashad, when that phone's going to ring. You do you do know that, right? I do know that, man. I've been getting ready, man. Got Greg Hardy right now just in camp and helping him sharpen his tools, man. I'm feeling kind of sharp myself. So, oh, listen, okay. if okay. I get a call, BC, you don't got to push me into the cage. I just might just jump in that joint. You, you know, I broke bread with Mr. Coker, and I said, you know, this is me, the fan talking, bro. Get Machida up in the bullpen, okay? Hey. I'm ready. I'm ready. Anyway, enough of that crap. Let's get into it. Habib 
Gaethje this weekend. Our friends at William Hill, the odds makers, Rashad, right off the top. Habib Nurmagomedov, a minus 330 favorite to improve to 29-0 and and try to keep that unbeaten streak alive. The interim champion, Justin Gaethje, fresh off that demolition of Tony Ferguson, a plus 260 underdog coming in. When you look at this matchup from the X's and O's, what should we be looking at most? What's the biggest storyline separate from the death of Habib's father, separate from Justin coming in fired up? What the hell is this thing going to look like? What are you looking for? Well, I mean, it's definitely going to be, you know, the story of this fight is can uh, Justin Gaethje keep the fight at least a little bit standing? Can he not get caught up in the wash and repeat cycle that Habib Nurmagomedov is so famously known for and that everyone has tried to stop, 28 opponents have tried to stop, and none of them have been successful. So it's going to be if Justin Gaethje not, not I mean, because he's going to get taken down, but it's can he get back up? And can he get back up to challenge Habib once he gets back up to his feet? That, to me, is the story of this fight. Uh, I've always said in the last couple of years, there's one man in this historically deep lightweight division, this era right now, who, who I could really make a case that could beat Habib. And I thought it was Tony Ferguson. Well, Tony Ferguson's not coming through that door right now because Justin Gaethje went in there in May and just dismantled him en route to a fifth round TKO. Is it fair to say, Rashad, given Justin's, let's say, uh, revamping, uh, you know, transition from full-on brawler to now calculated an assassin that he sort of assumes that mantle. Do you agree with this statement? If there's one lightweight who has a legitimate chance of beating Habib, it's Justin Gaethje, true or false? True or false, 100%. 100%. And he showed that in his last fight because not only was he able to hit those big shots, but more or less what he was doing with his footwork. He was landing those big shots and getting out to the angle. So then even if he's going against a guy like Habib who would shoot underneath those punches... He was nowhere to be found with his legs after he shot the combination. So to me, that showed to me that he was definitely in a position to, to, to definitely challenge Habib. Now, we haven't seen Habib since last September when he equally sort of demolished Dustin Poirier, which, uh, I mean, look, if, if any wins from Habib have been eye-opening, Rashad, that one was to me in a sense where Dustin just never seemed to be in that fight. Every sort of avenue of potential victory was shut down hard. We haven't seen Habib since then because of, the pandemic because of the travel bans because of the loss of his father abdul manap and coach this past july um i don't think layoffs though kdrust matter with habib he tends to only fight once a year anyway i mean he missed two years and came back like nothing happened with that knee injury can we close the book on the idea that 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 habib's coming in with with any extra baggage even with and let's let's give it the respect it deserves the loss of his father do you have any misgivings at how all of that will affect this fight no, I don't. You know, I think that ring rust and all those things that matter that, that slow an athlete down is what happens when you take time away from the octagon, you know, uh, and not only the octagon, I mean, from training in itself. I know that myself because when I took my longest time away from training after I had a fight, that's when it was harder for me to get back into the swing of things. That's when it's harder for me to find the time that I had from the fight before. Habib doesn't have that. He doesn't he doesn't have training camp. He just trains. It's his lifestyle. He, he trains every day like it's a training camp so when you have that kind of mentality when you're training your body like that on a consistent basis you know you, you don't you don't get the ring rust and you consistently improve on a skill level because even as you're training you're training and helping along guys who are getting ready for the fight so you're sharpening your sword against guys who are sharp in themselves getting ready to compete 
Yeah, indeed. Uh, I, I love this matchup in so many ways. So if we're going to stick with that theory that Justin might have the best chance of anyone else, we got to talk about what separates him from anyone else again in this insanely deep division. So Rashad, I know, as he said the, uh, last week when he joined uh, Luke and I, Luke Thomas and I in Morning Combat uh, with an interview that I hope all of you are going to check out. It's still out there on YouTube. You know, he said, I bring damage. I, I'm not going to go out like no bitch. We know these sort of cliche parts about what makes Justin different from the standpoint that look at the dude's an absolute savage, but do you believe it's as easy as he says it is Rashad from, I used to go into the octagon looking to get every bonus and be, you know, MMA's action superhero. And then after those two losses, one to one to Dustin Poirier and one to Eddie Alvarez, in which he was stopped late in both and very fun and competitive fights him and, and trainer Trevor Whitman, a guy, you know, very well, that it was just as easy as flicking that light switch that, okay, I had my fun. Now let's get serious. And now like, I'm not going to lie. Like this guy's among the top five or six pound for pound best fighters in the world. So was it really that easy where this was in him all along and he just had to change the mindset or should we be, you know, mailing Christmas cards to the great coach Whitman here on what a, what an insane job he has done refining the beast. I think it was a little bit both, you know, I think it was, a little bit of, you know, he had it in him, but at the same time, it took some refinement. It took some, some, some of Trevor's uh, an, angle work and just his mindset to be able to mold Justin to really get him to see that he didn't really need to shoot and throw his punches from the 50-50, that range where both fighters can hit each other, but on the side or on angles where he had the advantage on his opponent and his opponent had to turn and face him. So that's, that, that's what uh, Trevor's been able to do. But more, more than anything, I think the mindset of Justin is a unique mindset. I've never really seen a fighter that, that encompasses the mindset of Justin Gaethje. When you talk about a fighter who really, really loves the fight, this guy really, really, really loves the, the fight with, 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 with everything inside of him. And, and he fights uh, and trains like that all the time. So you have a guy who looks forward to having someone who can who can grind him out or who can challenge him in a way that that will make him grow as a person. He told me, he said, Rashad, listen, everybody I spar, I challenge him. I, I say, listen, I'll give you a hundred bucks, 200 bucks, whatever you want, <laughs> if you can drop me to the body. And that's not so more or less, you know, so, so he can, you know, get himself hurt. But at the same time, it's a challenge. And the more that guy's hurting for that body shot, it lets him know that, listen, I can be hurt. Listen, this guy's trying to hurt me and it makes him that much sharper. So knowing that Habib has that tool in his shed, knowing that he can take him down and dominate the fight is definitely going to keep Justin Gaethje his sharpest on Saturday. All right. So I, I can believe in that. I can believe that there was a mentality change, a, a change in focus on what Justin's really going after, right? It's not so much bonuses anymore. It's world titles. It's championships. It's respect. It's everything that goes with that. So let's talk again about what makes him different and why he might be able to win this because our knee-jerk reaction aside from he's a savage, he's got one-punch knockout power, which he does, uh, you know, he's willing to pour out the jug, so maybe there's that potential that he can drag Habib into the kind of fight that we've never seen Habib have to be in. I get all that. But we've also sort of knee-jerk said, you know, he also can wrestle, guys. I know he never shows it, but he can wrestle. I'm starting to see sort of people reacting negatively to that idea, be like, that's all great that he's got a wrestling background. But if you don't use it, is it really there? If a tree falls in the damn woods, did it happen? Did it make a sound, Rashad? How much are we overplaying, underplaying what Justin's wrestling ability you know, might mean to Saturday's outcome? 
You know, it's really hard to say just because of the fact that there's a level, there's wrestling and then there's Habib level, you know, and, and you know, there, there's guys who know how to wrestle, but there's not a lot of guys or if any who knows how to wrestle at the level of Habib. So it's really hard to say. And it's really hard to say right now if he's going to be able to match Habib's wrestling, you know, tit for tat. But here's what I can say. And here's what I'm trusting. And, and I believe the fact that, you know, he can scramble enough and scrambling enough creates openings. And there's one thing about Justin Gaethje that I admire more than anything of his punch and power is his ability to land at punch and power off of off balance shots. And that's where I feel that he may be able to land a shot that hurts uh, Habib and changes the dynamic of things. And that may happen in the fact because he scrambles and he's the king at scrambling in certain positions and hitting those power off center shots. And he's also got, as we laid out, a, a fantastic coach in Trevor Whitman, who who was for you know formerly your coach in, in a certain stretch in your career. He's done amazing things with Rose Nama Yunus, transforming her into a mental you know savage machine, great boxer from a from a fighter who in the beginning was sort of all about the the ground game. Uh, you know, had that great one off fight just recently with with Kamaru Usman, in which you saw a lot of evolution there. So. I think Habib knows this because in that one sort of public teleconference that Habib did, he didn't want to give Justin a whole lot of praise. He wasn't crapping on him. Habib's very respectful unless you, you know, cross that line and, and talk bad about his, his creed and his family and his religion and his wife and all that as Connor uh, once did, plus threw a dolly through a window and didn't get in trouble for it. That's another story for another time, though, Rashad. But uh, <laughs> Habib did make constant mentions to what makes Justin great is he has a great coach. So uh, coach Whitman here, I don't think, tell me if I'm wrong. I don't think we've ever seen him in a spot where he had a game plan against Habib. Is this a legitimate part of, of, of us handicapping how this fight will go? I mean, is, can this genius, this man who can invent the only MMA glove that seems to work, but UFC doesn't want it right now. uh, Can this guy come up with something that we've never seen anybody try before and against Habib and is Justin the right man to, 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 to carry out this, this execution? When you talk about strategy, it, there, there is in the game to me, there, there's Mark Henry, who's a really good strategist, but there's also Trevor Whitman, who's an excellent strategist. And as you mentioned, I trained under him uh, for a few fights and it was my best fights. And just his approach to the game, how systematic he is from training, from the aspects you need to work on, what the goal is in each and every single round. And that's one thing that Trevor always does. He always makes a goal. What's the goal of this round? What's the goal? So it really makes it easy as an athlete to understand which each objective is every single round and, and, and what to do. So when it comes to just coming with a great game plan, a great strategy, Trevor has that. And when it comes to being able to devise a game plan that, that's going to be able to create some wrinkles and create some opportunities for Justin Gaethje, Trevor has it as well, too. So it's going to come down to Justin Gaethje being able to execute that and not getting so caught up in those moments of where he feels very excited to fight. And we've seen him do it. We've seen him get very excited. He starts, you know, 10 toes down and brawling. And sometimes that works out, but sometimes it doesn't. I'm wondering, Rashad, I'm wondering because, you know, no one's again, no one's really had to make Habib fight like really fight, right? Because he's always has the advantage of being able to take it to the ground. Yes. Michael Johnson landed some shots and seemed to wobble him early. Look how that ended. Yes. Uh, Connor's the only guy to win a round against him technically. Although can we shout out Gleason Tebow, please? The judges missed it that night. All right. He was, he had some <laughs> success, but no Connor kind of outboxed him in a round where I think Habib was checking his own gas tank, looking to make a statement on the feet, didn't take it to the ground, whatever. 
No one's dragged this guy into a brawl. Is it possible here? Is it possible? How do you do that? Do you have to hurt Habib and wobble him to get him to have to throw everything at the wall and, and fight you man to man, toe to toe? It's Justin the man to do this. I mean, I'm trying to imagine how this fight can go. I love the idea of Gaethje being that being able to pull this off outside of just, you know, oh, he might be able to knock him out. But no, can he make Habib do what he doesn't want to do? Is that possible? Yes, and I think it's going to be possible. I think it's, it's going to be mandatory for Habib to jump through that hoop. Just like Justin Gaethje has to jump through the hoop of grappling in order to, to beat Habib, well, Habib is going to have to jump through the, the, the gate of going through a brawl in order to beat Justin Gaethje because here's why. In order for Habib to even have any amount of, of success with his grappling, he has to establish the hands. And not only does he have to establish the hands, he has to establish respect with the hands. He has to be able to let Justin Gaethje know that he can hit him with some shots. And then once Justin Gaethje knows that he can be hit with some shots, then the takedowns become easier. You know, wrestling is only six, seven minutes for a reason. It's because you can't do it for 25 minutes straight. I don't care how good a shape you are in, you cannot wrestle at a high level for that long. And when you're going against a guy like Justin Gaethje, who has the ability to maybe neutralize certain positions or at least make you work harder for those positions, those certain positions that you would be able to score on everyone else, then you're going to have to at least let those hands go at some point. So we're going to see it. Uh, I want to get your reaction to how both have framed publicly what their strategy will be. And you never know. Are you answering honest? Are you just spitting out words? Are you trying to plant seeds? I don't know. Habib in a, uh, I believe it was an interview with ESPN said, uh, I plan to drag uh, Justin into the deep waters, tire him out late in the fight. And then around the fourth round, choke him out. Uh, I don't think Justin Gaethje gets tired though. I mean, he's training up at elevation. I mean, it'd be really, uh, crazy to see him get tired. Um, but but you're right. He, he doesn't get tired. And um, that's going to be something that maybe uh, Habib is going to have to adjust his game plan for. But, you know, it's something that he always sets his mind for. You know, that's his that's his things that he needs to focus on in each and every single fight. And he knows when he sees a guy's uh, gas tank going down and he sees their their energy bar starts dwindling. That's when he puts the pressure on. But that may be hard against a, a charge and Justin Gaethje. Who's, who has that power that doesn't fade when it comes to the shots. And it's very hard to know how much gas Justin Gaethje has in the tank because he's very surprisingly athletic in certain positions. And with a guy who's very surprisingly athletic, athletic in certain positions, they save a little bit. And it's hard to say when that explosiveness from the athleticism is going to come forward. Uh, and then, you know, Justin's flip side, he said, I'm going to kick him in the leg four times and then I'm going to knock him out there. Uh, Habib did, they did relay that back to Habib and his response was people don't kick me in the leg in, in land damage because when they get that close, I take them down. Uh, it, it, Justin's just kind of relaying caveman interview stuff there. Right. I mean, or you think leg leg kicks is going to be a big part of this? Like, no, nah, I, I think he's definitely going to kick his leg and I think he's going to kick his leg. To, to show that he's not afraid to get taken down. And, and, and here's the thing that I think that Justin Gaethje is, is understanding the fact that he knows that he's going to get taken down and he's not afraid to get taken down because he understands that in order to keep him down, Habib is going to have to expend a lot of energy. And that's what Justin wants because a lot of guys who have the game plan of Habib, they have the wash and repeat cycle and they can hold guys down and, and rest when they're there. 
But if they have that interrupted by some scrambling and can't keep the guy down and then coming back up to his feet and having to pay the piper with some heavy shots and, and play defense, then it changes the dynamic on things. Then they think a lot more, uh, more, more strategic about when they're going to go for the shot. And then that's when the strikers game plan starts to implement. Yeah, I'm wondering if this, uh, I think the best case scenario for this fight, because we're always like, can somebody make Habib fight their fight? Well, how about can somebody do that over a long period of time? Maybe this fight ends up looking like the great UFC 196 title fight, Holly Holm, Misha Tate, where sort of for five rounds, each person implemented their own you know, game plan and strategy and seem to have success over the entire course of that round. I mean, that would be fantastic if it went back and forth in that regard. Obviously, we're going to find out on Saturday night. So expert pick time. You're the expert, Rashad. Habib minus 330, Justin plus 260. Who wins? What's the bet? What are we doing here in Abu Dhabi at 254? All right. Um, this is a tough one. You know, uh, it, it can definitely go either way for me the way I see it you know, with their imposing games. Uh, but, but for me, the, the thing with this fight is, 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 like I said earlier, you know, the wash and repeat cycle of Habib, can he keep him down and more or less be able to eliminate getting loose when he gets up in the scramble position and not get caught with an off-center power shot that Justin Gaethje hits all too well. And I think that for the most part, in order for Habib to get, the fight where he wants to, he's going to have to cross through the fire. And that Justin Gaethje fired across is absolute hell. And that's where I think that Justin Gaethje gets to win in this fight. I think it's going to be an upset. And I think that uh, Justin Gaethje is going to catch him with maybe something like a, um, not, not so much of an uppercut, but some, something like a left hook or something that that's, that's what I'm feeling. Like he's going to catch him with something like that. Um, Justin is 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 in a mindset right now that I, I have I it's rare to see him in a mindset like he has right now he's just super ultra focused and um I think he's gonna do it wow there was a great American fighter who once said I'm gonna make you skip to my Lou okay <laughs> all right all right let's see if Justin can do that on Saturday uh Rashad, we all we took it all we brought them to our land an endless night, ember hot and icy cold. The rage of the earth. We made this curse. Carved it in the blood on our backs. We did not see. We could not, but she did. And in the end, what will I become? Senwa Saga, Hellblade 2. Play it now with Game Pass. Let's have a hell of a co main event here. Wow. Middleweight division, probably. Uh, a number one contenders fight here to see who has next for middleweight champion Israel Adesanya when former champ Robert Whitaker squares off with the red hot but coming off an injury layoff Jared Cannonier. Uh, let's update Williams Hill William Hill's line here plus 100 underdog for Robert Whitaker minus 120 favorite for Cannonier. Now Rashad, mm. I don't want to discount Cannonier's chances at all, and I certainly want to hear your breakdown here. I was a little bit surprised, though. Whitaker had bounced back. He outpointed Darren Till in his comeback fight. Looked very technical. Seemed to shake off all the cobwebs of, is your mind still in it? Can your body still take this grind? All that stuff that sort of slowed down what I thought was going to be a lengthy title run for Robert Whitaker. Obviously, now you got Adesanya's uh, rocket ship flying up right through the middle of that. You think this line is right to start things off here? 
Um, it, it this is a close fight, but you know, uh, you know, Robert Whitaker is, you know, he showed in his last fight that he does still have it, and he showed that, you know, with the right focus and with his heart behind it, he still can be a showstopper, and he still has some amazing fights to show us, you know. Um, but but he's got a very tough fight in Cannoneer. You know, Cannoneer is not a Darren Till in the fact that the physicality of it all, and and I think that's some 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 aspects that maybe given the betters. Uh, or, or, or the bookers, um, you know, a little bit paused when, when they're when they're making this line is the fact that you know we got a physical the physicality of Cannoneer is unlike um, unlike anybody that Robert Whitaker has, has met apart from Yoel Romero. So I think that this is going to be a lot tougher fight for him in, in that respect. And um, those shots that he was hitting on Robert Whitaker, he's going to have to add a little bit more to it. And the question is, does he really have it at this point in his career? Will this fight be more of a technical affair like we saw against Till? Or will this fight be like most of Bobby Knuckles' biggest fights? He, he welcomes entering into a war. He's a classy warrior, meaning there's so much skill. I think he's among you know some of the most well-rounded elite fighters that, that the UFC has today. And he can take punishment. He went 10 rounds with that piece of iron and steel known as Yoel Romero and kept standing, even though, let's be honest, Rashad, the rematch at the very least, it was, it was Yoel's night. Come on, come on. Oh, yeah, there. definitely. I know he misses weight all the time. He didn't really sell out against Israel out of signing, but you get it. Okay. Anyway, uh, what do you think <laughs> this is? I mean, this has all the makings in some ways to be a brawl, but I thought the same thing about Whitaker Till. What's this fight going to look like? I think it's going to be largely uh, fought on the feet, and, and I think it's going to be a lot of power strikes. But I think it's going to be um, Robert Whitaker trying to stay, you know, off the line, trying to stay slick, trying to stay uh, quick with his motions. But I think that power of Cannoneer is going to definitely, you know, take charge at some point. You know, one thing about Cannoneer, you know, he's a guy coming from heavyweight all the way down. He's worked his way through his career to get to middleweight, and now you see him right now, and he, he's he's. He's like a sculpted art, you know, his body is tracking and more importantly than his body's tracking, his mental's tracking, his spirituality's tracking, all these things are aligning. You know, when you have all these things in synergy working together, you really become an unstoppable unit in yourself. And, and that's what I see with, with Cannoneer, you know, he's just really ultra focused, but more or less has a belief in himself that comes from more than just fighting. And, and, and that's what, that, that, that's to me, is going to be an obstacle in itself that Whitaker has to overcome. Yeah, it comes from the damn crystals. He's not going to try to hide <laughs> one of those crystals in the uh, in the banana sack, right? I mean, I uh, well, is... the crystal power is something else. He he's tapping into it. He's tapping into the metaphysics of everything. You know, he's trying to he's trying to tap into that uh, that subtle energy that that exists in the universe. And um, you know, did he lick he, a toad or something last month and get he, a third he, eye? What happened here? <laughs> <laughs> I might, I might have to get him on licking the toe crew, you know. Uh, but but he he's definitely on the level, you know. He he's um he, he takes his fighting and and, it, and it's just not a fight to him, you know. And as an athlete, as a fighter, when when fighting is not just about a fight, it, it's about the spiritual process. And along the way, so much can be gained in that aspect because it, it's not just a fight it's it's a it's a moment of your life where you get a chance to grow so it, the the fight holds so much more weight in a different regard and the focus is a lot different and you see that in janet jared cannonier uh quickly on whitaker before we get to the pick here 
it seems like this is the fight, like I mentioned, that can get him back to the title level. And obviously a rematch with him and Adesanya, given that they're both stars in that oceanic region, it seems inevitable. It'd be a great fight. I'd love to see it. Is there anything Whitaker should change? Meaning it seems like the issues he's had was more sustained injury, you know, overworked, grinded the, the, you know, he was burnt out and then he got caught against Adesanya. Have you seen anything through this journey that's concerning or is it just as simple as get healthy? No, you know, I, I seen him hit the reset button, you know, he hit the mental reset button and he had to start, he started to take some, you know, uh, account of, of how he was feeling and really started to, um, you know, to battle that demon inside that happens to so many successful athletes after a certain amount of time, you know, you just start being your worst enemy and he, and he's facing himself and he's facing himself to the point where he's speaking about it. And when an athlete starts speaking about the troubles that come on a mental athlete uh, aspect of competing, that's when, you know, a fighter has, or an athlete is changing and turning the corner. And that's what I see in Robert Whitaker. He's turning the corner and I don't know if that equates to a win in this fight, but more or less it, it equates to him being able to understand where his fight is coming from going into the fight. Yeah, indeed. All right. It's pick time. Plus 100 underdog is Whitaker. Cannoneer minus 120. Who you got? Man, I was all sold on Robert Whitaker. I really was. And then I started to watch more Cannoneer. And um, just the power that Cannoneer has, uh, the over, overall physicality, his his punch selection, um, ju- just – Everything that that Cannonier has been doing since he's been in the middleweight division has shown to me that you know Robert Whitaker is is in for one on Saturday, and I got to go Cannonier with this one. Ooh, by stoppage? Yeah. Uh, it, it could, but I think this is gonna is it, gonna go to the judges. But I, I got Cannonier. All right, interesting heavyweight fight, real quick on this main card. Alexander Volkov coming in as a minus one sixty favorite against Walt Harris, plus one thirty five underdog. Let's be honest, Harris seemed all set up for a big storyline, that big fight with Overeem during the quarantine. Uh, There there was the story of losing his daughter. There was all that good feeling. There was the idea that a big win there, maybe he's a dark horse heavyweight title contender. And then he kind of screwed up and fell and Overeem sent him to the dark depths. One plus 135 coming in against a guy in Volkov who, look, you, no one ever looks good against straight up. Right. I mean, he, you yeah. know, Volkov seemed to win every second of that of that punch, that one punch knockout loss, of course, to uh, Derek Lewis. So odds are close in this one. You lean in any specific way? I'm going to lean with Walt Harris, and I say that because Walt Harris has that wrestling and that grinding ability. And I think that when you're, you're a tall guy like Volkov, uh, it's going to hard. It's going to be hard to keep a guy that has the ability to throw punches that make you cover up, but then at the same time, the ability to take you down by shooting underneath and making you pay like Walt Harris. So I think that that's going to be Walt Harris' strategy, touch up top, go underneath. If not, he doesn't, you know, with a tall guy like Volkov, you can, you can put him on a horn to dilemma the whole fight, go high, low, high, low, high, low. He can't, he can't win that exam, you know what I'm saying? So if, if Walt Harris does that, then, then he can definitely uh, get Volkov out of here. But Volkov is, is a very tough and tricky fighter because he's a very long fighter who knows how to fight long. You know, there's not a lot of long fighters who know how to fight long and keep guys long and make them pay as they're coming into their zone. And Volkov has that. So not for nothing, Walt Harris is going to have his work cut out trying to cross that barrier to implement his shots and takedown. But at the same time, I think he's definitely capable of doing it. I like Walt Harris in this fight. 
Volkov looking to bounce back from being out wrestled by Curtis Blades in his last fight. Uh, Rashad, you look, you're a big fan here of this riser at middleweight, Philip Hawes, who made a uh, big splash for himself in the Dana White Tuesday night contender series. He's a minus 280 favorite here against Jacob Malkoon. Uh, what should we be looking at in this one? Phil Hawes has been a guy who's been in the game for a long time, you know, for for a, a long time back training with John Jones and Jackson's came over, uh, was training in New York city with under Henzo Gracie and, and Jersey. And, and he's been one of those guys who's, who's traveled as a journeyman in a while. And now he's here in South Florida, but now he's figuring it out and, and you see him, you know, figuring it out and, and not battling himself anymore. You know, there, there was a few years where he was just kind of battling. Do I want to do this? Or, or do I not want to do this? And he has all the physical acumen to do this, but it was just a matter of him deciding if this is really what he wanted to do. And now you see that he's made that choice and, you know, he, he's been looking phenomenal and he's excited to be there and, and seize the opportunity. So there's a lot that this Phil, Phil Hawes can show a lot of people. He's one of the most athletic and most dynamic athletes I ever trained with you know I, I never trained with someone as explosive as Phil in my life you know so wow. um he he's 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 definitely got a lot of tools and I, I look to see him start to really start to show people in this fight that you know he's somebody that that people should take notice of uh, opening up this pay-per-view main card is Magomed Ankalaev and Jan Ion, Jan, I, I never can get it right. I'm sorry. Is it Ion? <laughs> what the hell is it? Kute Laba, the maniac. Well, they fought already. Controversial knockout from Ankalaev. We've tried to book this almost Habib and Tony levels. We're finally going to get it, I think. Plus 220 underdog Kute Laba, minus 270 for Ankalaev. Who are you liking in this one, Rashad? As much as I love Kute Laba and I love the energy that he brings and all the craziness, I, I just think that Technically speaking, Uncle Live is just at a different level. It, it is what it is. You know, um, sometimes guys are just better than you. But that's what we've seen last time that they fought. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? It's been a while because it, this fight's been trying to book for a while. But um, from what I've seen of Uncle Live, you know, he's just, you know, too technically sound. And he fights very smart, very strong physical guy. The only way he can get in trouble in this fight is is for him to get caught up in what Kutalaba wants to do, the whole brawling wild style, and caught in the emotional part of the fight. Uncle Live ha- ha- is a Russian, so they're very divorced from emotion. So if he is, is taps into his Russian side, then he should be fine and just be uh, even kill this whole fight and go out there and get the finish. He's not just Russian. He's also in a hurry. Rashad, when you look at this prelim <laughs> card, where, where, where should we put our money? Anybody on this prelim card jumping out at you that, that you want to take a flyer on? Oh, my gosh. What do we got on the, the prelim card? What do you have here? The, uh... Because uh, our guy, some people would say, smiling Sam Alvey, hasn't been smiling lately, Rashad, because he's lost four in a row. He's a plus 300 underdog against Da Eun Jung who I feel like is might send him not just to hell, but maybe out of a job here. Yeah. I, 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 yeah, that, that could, um, Sam Melvey is, is facing a tough one. I mean, but, but you know what? Sam is still around. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> Sam is I just still don't around. want, you know, Rashad, I just don't want Sam one day to be bouncing the grandkids on the leg and go, 
Hey guys, you know, I once beat UFC Hall of Famer Sugar Rashad Evans, right? I mean, <laughs> no, right? not on my scorecard, oh not in the Campbell God. household. You didn't, not okay? on my scorecards right? either. Good I know, God. I know, I know. But you know who I'm excited for, though? There's a little bit of gold in this heavyweight matchup between Stefan Struve and, and Tui Tuivasa. I butchered his last name, but you know yeah. who I'm talking about. Taya Tuivasa. Yeah. Taya Tuivasa. Taya Tuivasa. He craps is... in a shoe and eats it, something like that. Yeah, <laughs> yeah but, but, but Taya Tuivasa, these guys are, are both on. I mean, he's always fun to watch, and especially being able to fight where he's, you know, gets this kind of attention, and he's going against a guy in Stephen True who, who's kind of rewritten himself after going back home, you know, and, and – uh you know, trying to make a, 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 a march to that to that belt. So it's going to be interesting to see this fight, this matchup, and, and see where both of these fighters are right now and what they both need to achieve in order to keep their, you know, heavyweight career in the right trajectory. Yeah, that's the kind of slop I'm here for. That's the, your prelim main event there on ESPN. Struve, a minus 125 favorite. He hasn't retired in a while. I wonder if Tuivasa can send him back there <laughs> as a plus 105 underdog. Uh, good, interesting to see. Also, Casey Kenny back. That's the let me bang. Won't nice. somebody come in here and let me bang with him? Bringing, bringing back to life the great Julian Lane comment from uh, Tough, right? Right? I yeah, mean, you know, yeah. Let me bang, bro, please. Let me right? bang, bro. Come on, bro. Just let me bang. All right. Uh, Sugar Rashad Evans, we are fired up for Saturday. Thank you for sharing your insight. We can follow you on the social medias at Sugar Rashad Evans. Uh, what, what should we be looking out for? You're going to be on the ESPN telecast anytime soon. You got a comedy set coming up at the uh, Carolines. What's going on? What's in your future? Uh, Halloween weekend. I'll be back in Vegas uh, doing the UFC show. And uh, I'll actually be um, cornering Greg Hardy that night too for the fight. Oh, nice. He's got he's got a big one too against Maurice Green. So we've been uh, last few months just buffing out the the iron, you know, and, and making sure that he's on point and, and firing at all cylinders. He's looking good. Is this the first time you've cornered somebody in a UFC fight? Um, no, I've I've cornered a few people, but I mean, this okay. is. I was going to say I've I, I, in a long time. I was I ready v- to. Comp- I, I got cornered Vitor when he when he fought uh when he fought John Jones. Oh, I, oh really? I didn't yeah. know that. Yeah. How did I not know that? That was a little bit like WWF revenge style right there. Uh-huh. I mean, I like that. <laughs> he almost caught him. He almost, he almost caught him. Caught him. He damn. almost caught him. Damn. I, I was gonna try to compare your coaching record to that of the great coach Latori Gonzalez, who Un- undefeated, right? <laughs> undefeated bro all right until somebody beats her okay there it is uh sugar rashad thank you so much morning combat uh all day every day almost every day in your face hole that's how we do it here enjoy the fights this weekend uh rashad you got any two words maybe for the people out there hey we out <laughs>